Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. I am so excited to share these principles with you. You know, I'm always on the lookout for inspirational stuff and for people who are out there inspiring the world. And I am so happy to report that I found another one. And I've got him on the line with me today. My guest today is John Gordon. Hello, John. Hello. So happy you're with me. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thank you. Just so our listeners will know, John, you are a speaker, a trainer, a teacher, an inspiring guy who's written a couple of books as well. Uh, Probably your best-known book is called The Energy Bus, and uh, you've more recently come out with something called The No Complaining Rule. And recently, John, I did a blog post about this because I had read your book, I was I was inspired by it. I saw that as a way to help empower people to to do what we call on this show living on purpose. Mm. And uh, that has a nice little double meaning. It means that you have a purpose and that you, and that you do it intentionally. And uh, you are on the same page with that. I, I really enjoyed what you had written in the No Complaining Rule. And that's the reason that I've invited you to join me today on this show. So th- just by way of introduction... That's how I found you. I was wondering, John, if you'd like to just share with our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you're doing. Sure. Well, I think my purpose is to help other people live theirs. Well, I don't think I know. And one of the rules of the energy bus is to drive with purpose. And I think that's so important of what you just said, to to live on purpose, to work on purpose, to bring your purpose to the work you do. And, And I know that's my mission. And what it is is to help empower, encourage, and inspire, you know, as many people as possible, one person at a time. And I realized mm-hmm. that this was my purpose a number of years ago when I went through a, a big challenge in my own life, big obstacles, uh, bouts with negativity, uh, major fear in my life. I was consumed by stress, and I wanted to find ways to overcome it. And that led me to researching all these ways on how to become more positive and one less negative, but also how to you know, have more faith and, and trust. And I think when you start searching for faith, you start searching for your purpose, you start searching for positive solutions, that all leads to, a, again, a more positive life where you're living your life more positive, and then you start sharing it with others. And mm-hmm. So it's, it's a big part of my work and what I do. And that years later... You know, I wrote The Energy Bus. Uh, that became an international bestseller. It has now brought me to organizations, companies, hospitals, NFL teams, mm-hmm. schools. Uh, it's just been so rewarding to be able to now share this message uh, via The Energy Bus uh, to do this kind of work. And, you know, people are most energized when they're using their strengths for a mm-hmm. bigger purpose beyond themselves. And so, 
you know, on this call today, as we talk about purpose, just know that, you know, you will be energized when you're, when you're using your strength for your purpose, but you'll also energize others in the process, and that's what energizes me. Wow. You know what? I, I want to comment about something that you used in your introduction, and that is that you went through your own bouts with depression or negativity or just feeling kind of the stuckness that people feel in life from time to time. And you know, John, I talk to people all the time who 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 are feeling stuck. Yes. You know, and they'll look to me sometimes and they'll say, well, Dr. Paul, these things are easier, easy for you to say. You know, you're a professional. You do this. And I, I, I want people to understand that the reasons that that you and I are connected to these principles is because we've had our own experiences in overcoming some of the stuckness that is just a, a natural part of the human condition. And people don't have to stay stuck. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. You know, I had become so disappointed about where I was that I stopped being optimistic about where I was going. Mm. So one of the things I've learned is you have to let the bags off the bus, the bags of fear, the bags of negativity, the bags of disappointment, of unrealized expectations, and the bags of stress, the bags of your past programming. And so, you know, I often joke, you know, my negativity came from the, the family I grew up with, because I grew up in a Jewish-Italian family, mm-hmm. a lot of food, a lot of guilt, <laughs> a lot of wine, a lot of whining. And I've got <laughs> numerous stories of just growing up in that kind of mindset. Yeah, right. And, and so you have to learn to chart your own course. Uh, to live the life you were meant to live by being optimistic about the future, by creating a big vision for the future of where you want to go, not being stuck in the past. I remember waking up feeling I'm dying every day instead of living. And I made a decision that I had to start living. And rule number one of the energy bus is, is to know that you're the driver. You're the driver. You have to grab that wheel. You have to step on that gas pedal. And you have to start well, stop blaming others for your life. That's where the no complaining rule comes in. Mm-hmm. And start taking control of what you can control in your life. And I started mm-hmm. to do it. So I feel very comfortable in talking about this. And I realized that I had to go through this to become someone who can now, you know, reach and share this message with all the people I do every year. Mm-hmm. Because I'm born to do this, but I had to go through these challenges to do it. And I'm glad I did. Looking back, it wasn't fun right. at the time. But I realized that it made me who I am. My wife and I were just talking about this this morning of all that we've been through. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard uh, you know a pastor say, once your mess becomes your message. And I do believe in that. And I love that. I've talked to, to my people before about how this is just the middle part of a very inspiring story. Yes. And uh, I, I, I think about all the truly inspiring stories that have touched me or that have changed my life, and they all have a hard part in the middle. And uh, I, I love what my wife says about this, and she reminds me of it continually, and that is everything's okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. <laughs> and so you keep plugging away, you know? Well, that's a great way. You know, the way I look at it is we don't live our lives based on reality. We live our lives based on our perception of reality. Yeah. That perception is influenced by the story that we tell ourselves and the role that we are playing in the story. And so I was in the role of a victim. A lot of people feel like they're a victim. A lot of people feel like life is just happening to them. Mm -hmm. And if you change your story, you change your role from one of, say, uh, what are you living? You might be living uh, a comedy. 
You might be living mm-hmm. a drama, like a lot of people feel like they're living. You might be mm-hmm. living a love story or an inspirational tale. And so if you change mm-hmm. your story from a drama to an inspirational tale, and you become the lead character who is now a hero, an underdog, a fighter, someone who is willing to take on the challenges, well, then everything changes in your life. And so your perception mm-hmm. changes the life you're living and then the life that you will create. I once heard Wayne Dyer say that when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful way of saying it because, again, it goes back to our perception. You know, there's a formula I share, E plus P equals O. We can't control the events in our life, but we can control our positive response to those events, mm-hmm. and that so often determines uh, the outcome. I call mm-hmm. it the positive success uh, formula because a lot of times people, though, have a, maybe a Pollyanna view of, of the challenges. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you should just go through life with, um, you know... Sort of blind optimism. Blind maybe. optimism. Mm-hmm. I really believe the answer is not positive energy in, in absence of negativity, but in the face of it. That's right. Knowing that we live in a world where fear reigns, where there's tons of negativity, and where you do have to go into it with with a mindset that my positive energy must be greater than anyone's negativity, uh-huh. where my certainty must be greater than their doubt, where each mm-hmm. day I have to do things that, that, change, that keep my perspective in a positive way, so I keep on looking at the things, like you said, uh, in a positive way, so it changes the way the things that I'm looking at are. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, you know, we're coming up on a break here in just a few minutes, and I would love to have you talk about some of what you've learned, you've you've obviously put some time into researching this topic and, and putting together the content for your book. You've talked to a lot of companies and organizations out there. Tell us what you're learning about the impact of negativity out there in our world and in our workforce, in our companies, and maybe at the same time kind of the opposite side of that. What's the impact of positivity? Sure. What are you learning? You want me to share that now? Yeah. Okay, great. We we can at least get an introduction to it. Okay, sure. Well, one, negativity costs the economy $300 billion a year. We have research that shows that uh, negative emotions are associated with decreased longevity, increased risk of heart attack and stroke. Uh, Negative emotions give us a more limited worldview, a limited perspective, more of a fear-based perspective, as we know, whereas... Mm -hmm. You know, a positive emotions and positive thoughts broaden your perspective that actually help you create solutions and uh, draw upon a wide variety of resources to help you create those solutions. Mm-hmm. We also know that uh, on, the, on the positive side, uh, positive emotions associated with increase in uh, longevity, enhance your health, your immune system, and positive work environments, a positively charged company versus a negatively charged company. Same industry, two different kind of companies. The positive one will outperform the negative one. Also, the same emotions that make you a a great leader, a positive leader, also enhance your longevity. So I call that nice guys finish first and die last. Uh I really believe they finish first and die last. And so we start to see over and over again how, how negativity does sabotage individuals and their careers and their lives and their families and their morale and their performance at work and their, and their companies. And then we see how positive emotions enhance your health, enhance your happiness, build successful teams, 
build successful organizations. And mm-hmm. it really is the ultimate uh, challenge that we face every day is to, to overcome that negativity, create positive families, positive work environments, positive schools, and that's ultimately the key. Well, and this is in the face of whatever exists out there in the world. And I think what I'm hearing from you, John, is that you can have two companies or two people or whatever, and they could be experiencing the same general context, the same general economic conditions, the same general world uh, context, I guess is what I'm getting at, and have very, very different outcomes based solely on that perspective. Is it positive or is it negative? And that's powerful to me because it's a choice. It's very, it's a choice to believe Mm -hmm. and then act. That's right. You have to have both because a lot of people think that it's just thought. Nope, it's not. We'll we'll come right back to that choice as soon as we get back from this next break. Thanks, folks. Hi, my name is Chris Crone, and thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. I became financially independent, starting from nothing, by the age of 26. My purpose is to financially liberate the captive. Are you searching for a realistic, proven system in real estate to create enough residual income to retire or fund your dreams? I invite you to learn about a passive, turnkey, proven system and approach to real estate where my team of 200 experts can do all the heavy lifting to create the freedom you're searching for. Visit www.liveonpurpose.strongbrook.com to get a free copy of my book, The Straight Path to Real Estate Wealth. Just enter the code FREE at www.liveonpurpose.strongbrook.com. Welcome back, everybody. You know what? We should probably just even skip the commercials because we got so much stuff to talk about here. The positive attitude versus a negative attitude. Teachers and philosophers and great uh, inspirational speakers throughout time have really focused in on this as the key to changing your world. And as we were having this discussion, John, I was remembering some things that I just reviewed last week. I listened to a recording. It's a, it's a real classic, actually, uh, by Earl Nightingale. It's called The Strangest Secret. And in this recording, Earl Nightingale, who is really one of the, I'd have to say, one of the founding fathers of, of inspirational content and motivational speaking, uh, he he talked about a fertile field and how you can go out into a fertile field and you can sow corn or you can sow nightshade. And that's a deadly poison, apparently. I'd never even heard of it. And uh, that field doesn't care what you put in it, and it's going to return a great abundance of whatever it is that you plant. I call this the law of the harvest. And uh, as we talk about the positivity versus the negativity and if the mind is anything like this fertile field that Earl Nightingale's talking about, you can plant either one. What are some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, whichever one you plant, uh, that will is what will grow. I mean, I tell the story sort of like a variation of the two wolves story, but you know, there's a 
man who goes to speak to the wise man in the village, and he says, I feel like there's two dogs inside of me. One dog is this positive, loving, kind, and gentle dog. Mm-hmm. And I have this negative, mean-spirited, angry, negative, uh, angry dog, and I don't know who's going to win. And they fight all the time. I don't know who's going to win. And the wise man thinks for a moment and says, I know who's going to win, the one you feed the most. That's right. So feed the positive dog. And every day we have that choice to feed the positive or the negative. Whichever one we feed, uh, that's what grows. And mm-hmm. we live, you know, again, in a world where, where there's a lot of negativity coming at us. And so mm-hmm. I believe the answer is that where there's a void, negativity will fill it. So if you have this void, or you can call it your fertile ground, I call it a void, negativity will fill that void. I think it's even more imperative than ever now to always fill that void with positive thoughts, with positive beliefs, with a positive perspective, with thoughts of faith and thoughts of trust. And in doing so, you're filling that void so the negativity can't breed and grow. It's Mm -hmm. like taking a beautiful lawn and growing the good and healthy grass to the point where it's strong and vibrant. And the more you do that, the weeds have nowhere to grow. Mm-hmm. And so you must always take care of that lawn. Now, occasionally you have to weed, you know, take a few weeds out, you know. That's like getting rid of mm-hmm. some of those negative thoughts. You do have to do some pulling of weeds. But the more you grow that great lawn, the weeds can't even grow. And, and that's what I, what I think is the key, you know, Earl Nightingale and these others, you know, we all get our source price from the original of one man standing on a mountain, probably, where he got all the information. But, uh, you know, Jesus talked about the kind of seed that we plant, and you can either feed that positive seed or the negative seed. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. You know, and I've had a little bit of experience with gardening, not a whole lot, but I have found that the downhill course uh, allows the weeds to come in. In other words, if I don't do anything, those weeds thrive. Yes. I mean, for instance, if I don't take my thank you walk in the morning, where Mm -hmm. I take a walk and just practice gratitude and pray in the morning, Mm -hmm. that negativity starts to set in. So it's that Mm -hmm. cultivating of of techniques and positive thoughts that Mm -hmm. set you up for a great day. So it's not going to happen by osmosis. I I think some people think that they can just you know, do, go about their normal routine, and they'll naturally be positive. Mm. Well, the research shows that we can actually mold our brain to be more positive. Yes, some are born happier than others. We are born with a happiness set point. Some of us are born more negative than others. But we can mold our brain, and we can feed ourselves positive things and listen to positive music and positive CDs and read books that uplift us and inspire us and mm-hmm. watch movies that make us laugh and, and be around people that, that make us feel great. And the more you feed yourself with these positive things, you become that. And it requires intention. Just like growing vegetables versus weeds. You have to intend the vegetables and you have to go out there and do whatever's required to to nurture those and to get them to produce. And in the same way, you know, I'm thinking about what you're saying about feeding the positive dog. Uh, what, what can we do to get our mind to nurture that instead of going the default route, which is negativity, and that will reach in and fill up the void if you don't do something intentional to create the positive. I think a good example of this is if you turn on the, the television or the news, 
You know, does it does it flood you with inspirational content? Right. Uh, whereas to to listen to this podcast, for example, everybody, all you guys who are listening to this right now, have intentionally subscribed or done a click to play or whatever. You had to go looking for it. And if you're reading John Gordon's books, you had to acquire that book somehow, and you had to take the time to read it. It's there, and it's available, but it's not default. I think all the negative stuff is default, and that's what we have to watch out for. Yeah, we naturally go towards uh, the negative. I don't know why that is, but we naturally do. So it's about always cultivating that, that positive seed, that positive soil, mm-hmm. with uh, with positive intention, like you said. And it's funny, I had a woman email me the other day and said that uh, you know, she got the energy bus and read it, and it was, you know, fourteen ninety seven on Amazon, and she said, you know, she felt that was a lot cheaper than therapy. Yeah. So I thought, you know, it's where we invest. Not that therapy's bad. Therapy's great, too. Well, I am a but, shrink, John. So. Right, so that's good. Therapy's good. <laughs> I think people, again, when they are putting their intentions on improving themselves, on finding resources for help, I think that's the key. And a lot yeah. of times people... Again, they don't seek help. They don't invest the time to talk to someone that could help them. They don't go to that parenting class uh, on a Sunday, you know, like my wife and I do, uh, because we know it helps. Mm-hmm. They don't take the time to go listen to a speaker that it will only take an hour. Many companies don't take the time to cultivate positive employees by having a you know one hour meeting each you know each week that fills them up because I know many companies that do and there's many that don't and you see the difference with those who invest in their people mm. and it's amazing it takes a little more time up front to go to that uh, meeting to go to that uh, therapy session to read this book it takes a little more time a little mm-hmm. more investment just like cultivating that garden takes a little more time a little more effort but in doing so in doing so you reap the rewards and the harvest where if you didn't, you would basically have a bunch of weeds and mm-hmm. barren soil. Which is a whole other kind of harvest. Which is a whole other kind. So you're right. You have to invest in it. You have to make the time for it. And that's part of my work that I do is is to provide practical applications because what we've been able to show and and through all the, just again, all the organizations I've worked with. And what I love is I've worked with NFL teams. So you can see in, you know, 16 weeks during a season how these principles actually take root in a team and players and coaches and how it changes their mindset and then their actions. And then they're winning on, on a field because you can see what the positive energy does. So some of these applications are really key. Like, for instance, you asked, you know, what are some of the ways to, to really feed that positive dog? Well, I think gratitude is is one of the number one ways mm. to realize that we're too blessed to be stressed, to know that it is physiologically impossible to be stressed and thankful at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so when we're focusing on our blessings, we're not doing any stressings. That's right. And so you're changing your mindset that way. Again, gratitude. Anytime you're having a tough day, focus on gratitude. In the morning, like I said, you get up, you have that thank you walk. So now you're physically walking. You're definitely get energized from that. And then the gratitude floods your brain and your body with positive emotions and endorphins that uplift you. And so doing those two together give you a double boost of energy that make you feel great. And the more you focus on gratitude, what happens is your brain automatically goes to that state. So it actually becomes a habit. And that's the key here. We have to do things that become 
a habit. And so once we create this sort of positive condition, then that changes our behavior and the behavior changes our habit. And changing the thinking, I hope that uh, our listeners understand that there is a, a literal chemical shift that occurs in the brain. We talk a lot about the energy, you know, a positive energy, uh, but there's a literal chemical physiological change in the brain that occurs when you enact feelings of gratitude, for example, versus feelings of scarcity and fear and doubt. Yes. And and that change in the brain, you know, you use the NFL teams as an example, and uh, we just had a a huge football game here over the weekend in Utah where a big rivalry between the University of Utah and Brigham Young University. Oh, I saw that, yes. And uh, I was just thinking, you know, as I was watching that game, there were times when I saw, or at least I pretended that uh, I was seeing, that there was some discouragement among some of the players. Right. And you watch their level of performance when they are discouraged or demoralized versus times when they are pumped up and they are positive and they're hyped. And it's a whole different outcome. Yes. So what about in a workplace? You know, How much can a, a demoralized, discouraged employee do in an eight-hour shift versus how much yeah. could a, an energized, positive employee do in one hour? <laughs> you know? It makes, oh, it makes all the difference. I mean, a great example is marathon runners. Mm. You, know, you look at marathon runners, what, what mile do most marathon runners quit the marathon? And a lot of people say the last mile, and I, would, and I say, well, no, actually the second least amount quit in the, in the last mile. Mm. And that shows the power of the mind. Even though they're physically exhausted, yeah. most of these people do not quit in that last mile. And that shows you the mind because they can see the vision. They keep on moving towards it. So it shows you the power of a positive vision when you're striving for something. Most people quit in the 20th mile. That's where they lose their vision. And so you see it in sports teams. You see where people will, you know, the team starts losing, and next thing you know, it becomes a blowout because they just give up. They get demoralized. They get down. You see it in the workplace where people work in a toxic environment where they have negative people around them, and they think, ah, you know, what's the point? Can I make a difference? I spoke to a police officer the other day. I was giving a big talk out in uh, Minneapolis, and Mm -hmm. a woman came up to me and said, well, you call my son. (laughs) He's a police officer, and he's gotten quite negative. So I called him. And we just had a great talk, and I just you know, told him about some of these thoughts that we're talking about now. And he said, what's the point, John? Sometimes I, I used to be so positive, but I'm around so much negativity that, that I don't even think it you know, could do any good. Uh-huh. And I said, well, what happens if you don't? Who will? That's right. And I said, and what about the person that was positive? Hmm. What about that person? What could that person do? Think about the person you can make if you are positive. By the Let's time come. we were done, he really saw that he had got on the negative bus. We'll be right back, John. Thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. 
We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com Hey, John, I'm afraid we kind of cut you off as you were telling us a, a story. Now, this police officer that you were talking to, could you uh, finish that off for us? Sure, sure. So I'm trying to remember where I was with it. Um, it was, uh, and as I recall, there was a, a gal who had called you or emailed you, wanted you to talk to her son, who was a police officer. Am I remembering that right? Yes, and he decided, well, I'm glad you're listening. And <laughs> <laughs> and it showed that, um, you know, he decided to use some of these uh, techniques that we're talking about on the call uh-huh. to deal with, you know, the negativity that was growing each you know, week in his work. Right. And uh, in, in staying positive, it just made all the difference. Well, you know what? You've probably seen this in so many ways with so many different examples. Um, I I observe this on a regular basis in people's lives when they'll come in, and I I have what I like to refer to as the victim story. Yeah, and that's usually the first thing that I hear from people as they try to help me understand what their life is. And you talked earlier in the show today about the stories that we tell ourselves. And what kind of story we create for ourselves? Is it a drama? Is it a a victim story? Or is it an inspiring tale? Uh, We get to decide that, each of us individually, what our story is going to be. And as as we make that mind shift, as we just... And it is a decision. Wouldn't you agree? It's a choice. choice. You know, Abraham Lincoln said a man... Or a woman is about as happy as they choose to be. So it's definitely a choice. Mm-hmm. And some people feel like, though, they don't have a choice. They feel like their life is just happening to them. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is that events happen to everybody. That's right. And if you study history, you find that every great leader, everyone we admire, all the people we learn about throughout the years in school, they all had to overcome adversity. They all mm-hmm. had to deal with challenges. They all had to overcome what I call energy vampires and naysayers mm-hmm. to define themselves and their team success or their organization's success. Abraham Lincoln suffered nine election defeats, the death of a fiance, nervous breakdown, two bankruptcies. Rosa Parks, I offered, they took a stand on a bus. She would not move. Mm-hmm. And now all these people are on her bus because of her courage and conviction. And that's mm-hmm. why I write the stories I write. I write about, you know, George and the energy bus, hope and the no complaining role. And both characters are faced with, you know, challenges, and both are telling themselves a negative story. You know, mm-hmm. hope is a major complainer. George is a real negative person in the energy bus. And both characters have to find, you know, sort of their light. They have to find their positive, their positive thinking, their positive source, mm-hmm. their trust, their faith. And in doing so, they then change the story. And that's why... You know, I wonder why these books are going around throughout the country and actually the world, all these, you know, organizations and people and individuals and families, and I keep on just getting such a, you know, an email and response, and I, mm-hmm. I go back to what you said. It's the story. People read the story of someone who changes their story, and then they realize, oh, it's possible to change my story. 
And then in changing their story, they change their thought process, they change their actions, and then they change their reality and their results. And they go, wow, this works. And then they share it. And mm-hmm. like you, I've seen this work with so many people. I've worked with so many organizations over the years that I can't not believe it. And I have to believe in it because right. I've seen what it does. And it's not yeah. just anecdotal evidence. I've seen so many. So you, you know it works, and you want people to just uh, use these principles to take positive action. You know, I think part of the resistance that this kind of thinking may encounter as we get out there into the world is that it is so simple. Yes. And even just picking up your book, you know, it says right on the front, the no complaining rule. And it's kind of like, well, duh. But it is so simple that sometimes people completely overlook it as the powerful, powerful solution that it actually is. The closer we get to truth, the simpler the lessons are. I have mm-hmm. become a firm believer that we make things complicated, but simple things are the answer. Life is about doing simple little things consistently and focused with commitment and with positive energy. And if you do that, you're going to have amazing results. The no complaining rule people should know it's you're not allowed to mindlessly complain to your coworkers or to your family or to friends. If you have a complaint, Take it to someone who can do something about the complaint, but also come with one or two possible solutions. So instead mm-hmm. of just being a mindless complainer that just complains for no reason at all, mm-hmm. you become aware of your thoughts, and then you say, okay, what can I do about this? So it's really actually very beneficial for you to do this, because now be, instead of being a passenger griping on the bus, you become a driver of the bus. Mm-hmm. You focus on solutions instead of complaints, and then you use your complaints as a catalyst to create a new direction mm-hmm. or, or a positive action. And so people who feel powerless, because that's why we really complain is, as a therapist, you would know that. Mm-hmm. People complain, they feel hopeless, they feel powerless. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like an adult form of crying. They complain because they feel like they can't do anything about it. Well, this actually empowers them to say, you know what? No, I can do something about mm-hmm. it. I can think of a solution. I can do the but positive techniques and and think of something positive instead of negative. And I, I can control my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And stop being the energy vampire, you know, sucking the energy out of the whole equation and start adding some positive energy. Well, yeah, I thought you were going to say value too. Yeah, positive energy and value. Yes. Um, no, I say leave a trail. That wherever you are, wherever you go, you know, when you interact with someone, the goal should be to leave a trail where whoever comes on your bus they're made better off from that interaction. So whatever interaction we have, that person walks away from you better off. So are you giving them something or are you draining their energy? Mm-hmm. And that's really a powerful way to decide to live your life as you interact and come into contact with people. Decide to give something, something positive mm-hmm. instead, of, instead, of, instead of just infusing them with negative. And the beautiful thing about that, as you have pointed out already a few times, is that that is going to empower others to do the same thing. And that's what creates that return in your life. As you begin to put that energy into your life, you're able to harvest so much more energy because you're empowering others to do the same thing. And, you know, as I look at the the crisis, I'm going to use that word in quotes, that is facing our country, you know, you hear about this in the media and stuff all the time. 
what's going to solve that? You know, who are we waiting around for to rescue us? Yep. Uh, when we could just become more intentional, apply some of these techniques, start adding energy and value to the equation. Definitely. And then that's just going to create a huge return for all of us. Yeah, the, the economy has gotten so negative. People are just so fearful right now of what's going on. And you, I think you hit the nail on the head. People are looking for for something to save us. We mm-hmm. see the words bailout. Oh, great, the stock market goes up. We're being bailed out. Well, hello, the ones who are bailing out are us. We're the taxpayers. <laughs> We're the ones who are saving. So if you're wondering who's saving the banking industry, you are. Mm-hmm. If you're wondering who the economy is, you are. Each mm-hmm. one of us are the economy. That's we right. make up the economy. Our thoughts, our actions, our solutions, and what we contribute with our ingenuity and our innovation and our hard work, that creates the economy. So you are contributing, and you need to do so in a positive way, and you need to stay positive to do that. Being paralyzed by fear will not help anyone. Uh, going to bed saying, you know, and waking up going, I hope it was just all a nightmare, <laughs> will not help. The nightmare is real, and now we can get ourselves out of it through, through who, how we think. You know, I refuse to participate, participate in the recession, and wherever I go, I, I refuse to do it. People say, oh, speaking is drying up. No one's buying books. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm speaking in a lot of places. People, right. um, you know, are, are a lot of people are still reading my book right now, probably more now than ever. Yeah. And I, I just know that I need to keep sharing this positive message. I know that people listening need to go back to their offices, back to their homes, back to their families, and share a positive message with others. But most of all, know that you are the message. You are the message. Who you are makes a difference. So remember that most of all. Mm. And I love what you what you said that tied that into the economy, to to the solutions, to the problems that are facing our society in general, that you are the solution too. Yes. And I think the sooner all of us realize that we're not waiting for someone or something to bail us out, that it's up to us to make the choice make that positive choice and begin to return value and energy to the equation. And the more of us do that, uh, the more we are going to see an improvement in the overall economy or in the marketplace or whatever it is you want to call it. Well, I lost my job during the dot-com bust. Mm -hmm. So I lost my job, had two weeks of severance. I had uh, no insurance for my kids. We second mortgaged our home, $20,000 on credit card. I decided to open up a restaurant a franchise mm-hmm. to try to make our way. Didn't know if we were going to make it or not. And I remember when I lost my job, I now had no source of income, and I was you know I was very bitter towards my company and very mm-hmm. upset. And after a few days, I realized, is this going to help me move forward? Is mm-hmm. this going to help me provide for my family? Is this going to take me in the direction that I want to go to create the life that I want? And the answer was no. So I actually chose to forgive my company. I just made the decision that I wasn't going to think about it one more step and that this was the moment that I was going to start uh, creating and changing my life. Mm. And that actually led me to do the work that I do now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, you know... So what a great thing that, that you lost your job, that, huh? What's that? What a great thing that you lost your job. Right, right. And so I'm telling people if you lost your job, if you're facing uncertainty right now, just it's not a dead end. I really mm-hmm. believe it's a detour. 
to a better outcome than you could ever imagine. But you mm-hmm. have to view it as a detour. If you look at it as a dead end, it's a dead end. That's what if it becomes. You it to a detour and think about what's next and look for possibilities, look for opportunities. Because if you lost your job, it means that there's another mm-hmm. opportunity waiting for you. You just have to go find it. And you could say, well, that mm-hmm. worked out for you, John. I really believe it worked out for me because I chose to let go of the past and to not hold on to the bitterness mm-hmm. and anger. It's not a dead end. It's a detour. And even better than a detour, maybe it's the scenic route. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> well, there's so much beauty and so much wonderful, good stuff in your life. And I, I hope that everyone who's listening can just open their eyes to that and begin to notice all of the goodness and all of the positive stuff that's out there, it's there, and it's there in abundance. We're going to come back with some really practical steps that you can take with John Gordon right after this break. You've heard the question a hundred times, is the glass half empty or half full? If we are in negativity mode, we see the glass as half empty. Anyone can see it's half empty. When we are feeling negative, we focus on what is missing and lament the lack of water in the glass. When we are feeling more positive, we see the glass as half full. Of course it is half full. Anyone can see that. We focus on what we desire and celebrate the presence of water. Then there are those who see it as completely full all the time. These seemingly crazy people are not just positive, they are pathologically positive. Pathological positivity is an empowering mental supernormality that lifts us above the normal perception of reality. It is a higher level of thinking. We see the glass and our lives as completely full, even in the toughest situations. If you've enjoyed Live On Purpose Radio, then you will love Dr. Paul Jenkins' book on pathological positivity. Available now to order, visit pathologicalpositivity.com to get your copy today. That's pathologicalpositivity.com. Okay, we're up on our last segment here, and I'm just having fun today. (laughs) John, we've talked about a couple of things here. I I think we've really driven home the point that uh, when given the choice between positive and negative, choose positive. (laughs) Yes. Is that painfully clear? I think it's pretty clear. Uh, I bet. (laughs) I'll bet that there's some people listening who are thinking, okay, yeah, well, that's simple, and I've heard that before. How do I do that? Right. And I've picked up on at least two specific techniques that you've mentioned during our conversation today, and one of those was, you referred to it as the gratitude walk or the thank you walk. Thank you walk. And then another one was a, uh, I think you called it a but positive technique, something yeah, like that. Yeah, but positive. So I'm not happy about this, but I'm going to focus on this, or I don't like mm-hmm. this, but to take this positive action. I'm not happy that I'm 10 pounds overweight, but here's the solutions I'm going to focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard maybe a corollary to that just over the weekend. Uh, in fact, it was in a, a church meeting I was attending, and the speaker was talking about 
about gratitude, really, but also keeping a positive attitude and how you can look at anything in your life and find the upside. Find the reason that you are grateful for whatever it is that you don't like. So uh, my son came up with a great example last night. He had he had dog hair all over his pants <laughs> from our our pet dog. Right. And he said, "I'm so grateful for dog hair because it means that I have a dog that loves me." That's awesome. And uh, that's just perfect. I've heard I've heard mothers. Uh, talk about, I am so grateful for all the smudges on my glass, uh, mirrors or windows or whatever, because it means I have young children around. Yes. And... But as part of that, another technique for folks is is to change two words. Have to, to get to. This is in the mm. no complaining rule. And so we often say, I have to go to work. I have to go pick up the kids from school. I have to go to this mm. meeting. I have to finish this project. I have to do this interview today mm-hmm. in your case. It, right. No, we get to. We get to drive in traffic while so many people can't even drive. Mm-hmm. We get to go pick up the kids You know, while so many don't wish they had children. Mm-hmm. We get to live this life. We get to work in a job while so many are employed. And when you focus on get to versus have to, you change a complaining voice Mm-hmm. to an appreciative heart. And I just love to say that we, every day mm-hmm. life is a gift, not an obligation. Mm-hmm. And when you change that perspective, that that have to, the complaining voice, to get to the appreciative heart, I really believe that abundance starts to flow into your life mm. in that way. And I, I think, you know, we're called to be grateful, you know, and you're, you know, in Philippians it says, do all things without complaining. I mean, we're really meant to be people who are appreciative, not mm-hmm. for you know God's benefit, but for ours. For our own benefit. Yeah, because that's where we find the joy and the that's peace right. and the happiness. When we're so when we're when we're focused on simple things, simplicity. Again, we've made our lives so complicated that we forget that it's really in those smudges, like you said, on the counter. It's you know. I'm thankful I have these kids who are driving me crazy <laughs> today. Mm-hmm. And you focus on just, you know, what we have. My my mom died two years ago at the age of 59. She was really young. Oh, wow. And uh, she was young when she had me and my brother. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and she passed away. And it's like, you know, she doesn't get to do anything anymore. But, but, but I do. Mm-hmm. And so how can I take one more day for granted? I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be thankful each day. And I find that when I am thankful... There's there's a sense of uh, of happiness and joy in your life, and the research is so clear on this with gratitude. Like it's it's one of the keys mm-hmm. for happiness. Prayer, for instance, increases your immune system, enhances your longevity, and that also uh, increases happiness. And so we have between gratitude and prayer, those two together are two key attributes that you need to do every day: is practice gratitude and pray. And I think a walk, a walk in the morning is the best way to start it all off. Could you say just a little bit more about that thank you walk? If people are still wondering, what what really is that? I mean, they they get the part about, well, go for a walk and be thankful. But do you have any specific sure. recommendations about how people could start to do that? Or sure. Well, as you're like? walking, you just take a walk in the morning, mm-hmm. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And as you're walking, you just say out loud or to yourself, you know, thank you for my health. God, thank you that I can walk. 
And I've done this, like, for instance, today. I was running a little bit. I'm like, wow, I can run. I'm still in good enough shape that yeah. I can run. I'm not too old yet that I'm, you know, I can't do it. I was just thankful that I can run. Thank you that I can feel this wind blowing against me as I'm running. Thank you that for these trees, for your beautiful universe, for these clouds. Thank you for my garden. Thank you for my dog. Thank you for my kids that they're, they're healthy. And if my kids weren't healthy, I would say, well, thank you for the, 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 the special moments we get to share together. If, if you know, mm-hmm. you find the gratitude in those things. And by the time you're done with that walk, you have just flooded your brain and body with all these feel good, positive emotions. And that also stops the stress hormones from coursing through your body. Cause as I said earlier, you can't be stressed mm-hmm. and thankful at the same time. And so now you're focused on what you're grateful for. You won't be stressed, and you're feeling good rather than feeling negative, and you're Mm -hmm. giving yourself a dose of antidepressants. You know, when you smile, you produce more serotonin in your brain. The recipient Mm -hmm. of your smile also produces more serotonin. And so we could actually walk around this, this, this world every day and smile at people and give them an antidepressant, which would be a lot cheaper than all the antidepressants folks are taking. Oh, for sure. Not to say that there, are, there aren't folks who need them, and some do, but I think there are many cases where folks are just using the antidepressant because they've forgotten to exercise, mm-hmm. they've forgotten to eat foods that make them feel good, they've forgotten to smile, they've forgotten to, to watch funny movies and just fill their lives with these positive things, and so then they wonder why they're feeling bad, so then they say, well, let me just take a pill. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of folks, we've got to get back to the basics of taking care of ourselves and, our, and feeding ourselves good, healthy, positive mm-hmm. things. And sharing it with everybody else around us. Ah, and the more you share, the more you get back in return. That's right. I call it being a love magnet. Um, I wrote about this in the Energy Bus. I call mm-hmm. it a love magnet. The more you put out, the more that comes back to you. Mm. The love you share. Well, that's just another example of the law of the harvest that we were yeah. talking about earlier. You know, another technique that occurred to me as we're talking, we're getting a pretty good collection here. So, folks, I hope that you're jotting some of these down. We'll put a few up on the blog site. Go there and uh, comment about it, too. But here's another one that I thought about. What if you could get yourself to the point where any problem that you're facing, you can tell yourself, you know, the thing I love about this problem is, and then fill in the blanks. Mm. Or the great thing about this is, And I I saw a powerful example of this recently, John. I was reading a book called The Impossible Just Takes a Little Longer. It's by Art Berg. And uh, Art was a uh, quadriplegic. He passed away a few years ago, but he was a powerful inspirational speaker. And he uh, was quoted, and I'll have to paraphrase this, but he was quoted as saying something like, you know, the great thing about being a quadriplegic is. And then he gave a couple of examples. One I remember was, it only takes me 20% of the time that it takes most people to work out. (laughs) When 80% of your body isn't doing anything, you can get through your workout real fast. That's positive. That is very positive. And he wasn't just, you know, pulling that out of the air. He was, he was genuinely grateful for that. Wow. And I admire people like that so much. I mean, it's just, you and I could talk about it, and mm-hmm. we've also lived with challenges, but there are so many people that are facing so many bigger challenges than we are. And I just really mm-hmm. admire those people. I just really, they inspire me. They make me want to share this message even more. 
Well, and you know, I don't think Art Berg would necessarily say his problem was any greater than yours or than mine. And that was part of the power of his message. As he said, you know, your problem is what it is. What can you find about your problem that you love? Or the great thing about this is, you know, and I think being quadriplegic also gave him the power to inspire people in a way that I don't have. Um, I, I had another client. I'll share this one with you as well. She's, um, she was a teenage girl who had some very significant physical uh, handicaps. And uh, she looked different. She walked different. She talked different than the others around her. And her mind is so sharp. And she's very tuned into things, but physically just really uh, has a hard time. And I shared with her one day, I said, you know what? There's a difference between you and me in that you can walk into a room and you can't help but be noticed. See, she thought that was a bad thing at first. But what can she do now with that power to draw attention? And you can take any problem and look at it this way. Wow. So there's some... Love it. Powerful stuff, John. Very much so. You know what? I so much appreciate your being on this show with us. We got just uh, maybe two minutes or so to wrap things up. And I want to make sure that people are aware of how they can get in touch with you. Now, I know you have a website. Sure. Which is www.johngordon, J-O-N, Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, dot com. Is that right? That's right. And, and I, you know, I want to encourage people to um, you know, sign up for my free weekly positive tip. It's, you know, where I share different strategies. and. Wait, they're um, going to have to pay how much for this? Uh, nothing. Huh? So there's no charge for the positive tip. Plus, if you go to the website, uh, it will link you to the Energy Bus website where we have uh, mm, free posters, uh, bus tickets where you can invite people on your bus. Mm-hmm. It also links you to the No Complainer website where we have a lot of uh, fun resources there. We actually have discussion mm-hmm. guides where you can do the you know download for free and use the guides with the books as you do them with your team and with friends uh, as you practice these kind of uh, techniques together. Plus, uh, there's a lot of articles on the site and resources that that we've created for people uh, to utilize. Mm-hmm. You know, for the purpose of of uh, you know empowering them and helping them, like uh, right. the five things to do instead of complain, which we didn't get a chance to talk to today, but that's right on the on the mm-hmm. website. So there's a lot of good stuff that you can utilize and, and download. And uh, oh, we have a positive moment too. Every week we do a uh, a one minute audio tip that we mm-hmm. share. Again, it's all free, and and we just try to give as much as possible. Uh, the books I can't give away, I have a publisher for that, so yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not allowed to give those away. But uh, they are I definitely can, available, though. But they are available in all the bookstores and on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. They're in all the Barnes and Noble stores, and um, still a heck of a lot cheaper than therapy. Yes, and you know, <laughs> I, I hope that people, you know, I think that they'll love the story and mm-hmm. and really uh, resonate with it, and and hopefully, again, it will help them tell a different story. Well, I have definitely enjoyed it. I want to give a personal endorsement for John Gordon, the Energy Bus. The no complaining rule. Go to John JohnGordon.com, J-O-N-Gordon.com. A lot of that stuff is free. You guys are used to that because you get Live on Purpose Radio for free. And John and I are both available to come to your organization, talk about this kind of stuff. There's links for that as well. Thank you so much, John, for joining us. Thank and you. Everybody go out there and live on purpose. Uh, thank you.